0: Welcome to C3 Church Central Coast Sermon Cast. We pray that you'll be inspired and impacted by this message and trust that you're better equipped to live your best life. God speaks to us in the book of Isaiah and he said, my ways are higher than your ways, the ways of the world. And our calling as Christians is to find and follow these ways of God which are different, they're higher, they're better than just what we see around us in the world today. And of course, you think about it, there's a number of different ways in different areas of our life that are very different, that are higher. God's way is a way of love, for example. So the world says, well, of course, you can love people who love you, But if they don't love you, well, then give them back what they deserve. But Jesus came and did something radically different, and he loved everybody absolutely the same, even those that hated him. And he calls us to do the same, to walk in forgiveness and grace and be kind to people and to love everybody, regardless of who they are and what they do. And then there's the way of humility, rather than being proud and focusing on ourselves. We're called as servants of a king, to not think so much about ourselves. And and rather than hoping that people will serve us, we're called to minister, to serve, to give, to live, to give to God and to other people. And then you've got the way of holiness. <laughs> wow, that's a little different to the way of the world, isn't it? Just go to the gym, you know, and the the, the video screens of the, the world's morals up there. I mean, I just... Look at the dots on that treadmill, man. And I've got my iPod blaring away, so I'm not distracted by it. And I, sometimes I've got a channel that's got the sport on. So I'm sitting, you know, running in front of the rugby with YouTube blaring at me, telling me to run faster, uh, you know, or some song that's. You know, but some of that stuff's just terrible. And, I, yeah, anyway. So <laughs> we're called to be consecrated to God, to continually be sanctified, to live godly lives rather than just get muddied and tainted by worldly ideals and values and morals. Yeah, And then, of course, you've got this one, the way of faith. Again, rather than just responding to what we understand with our natural senses, which is the way of the world, we are called to follow God with faith, to trust in him, to believe in him, to put our faith in him. And ultimately, of course, the eventual destination or the or the, the culmination of this way, this journey of faith is heaven. There's a home waiting for anyone who wants to follow Jesus with faith. That's pretty cool. But the way of faith also involves living and trusting in God here and now, today, believing in his promises, believing in what he said in the word of God, the Bible. And so if we're going to live for God and with God and know God and, and honor God and, and, and minister to God and minister for God, then we need faith, amen? Yeah, we, we, we've got to, it's the currency of heaven, if you like, the basic building block of the Christian faith. And, and we're told right throughout the scriptures about faith. Hebrews 11, verse 6 says you can't please God without faith. Uh, Romans chapter 5 tells us um, that we're justified or we're made right before God, because of faith in Jesus, not because of whether we're good people. You can't earn your salvation. It's all faith in God, faith in what Jesus has done. And Second Corinthians 5, verse 7, very well known, says uh, we walk by faith or we live by faith, not by sight. And so faith has got to be a, a, a strong element of our life. We've got to be you know, directing our faith correctly. And the fact is, we've all got faith. It's not beyond us. It's not some difficult theological concept that you can only get a hold of if you study Greek or Hebrew or go to Bible college. We've all got faith. It's not too hard. It's just a matter of how you use it, how you use what you've got. And when Jesus said another thing about mountains, he said if you've got faith as small as a mustard seed, you can move mountains. You can say to a mountain, be moved. That's a tiny little seed. So it's not that you need more faith. We just need to use what we have. And the thing is when we use faith, when we exercise our faith, things happen. Things change. Radical things change. Mountains really can move. And and what does it mean when we talk about faith? We're just simply saying that you expect something to happen, that you've just got a strong expectation that something's going to change. And so we should check ourselves constantly and say, what is my faith doing at the moment? Because you, you're exercising your faith on a regular basis. What are you expecting to happen? There's something inside you that has got a, an expectation. You're projecting the possibilities of what's going to happen in your life. Well, that's your faith. That's how you're using your faith. And, the, and that's very important to check because you'll find that you will get in your life whatever you're expecting. And psychologists know about this. They've done tests and studies that have shown how powerful the effect of faith and expectation is. I read about uh, one professor, Richard Wiseman from the U.S. He, he conducted a study that involved a group of students and alcohol consumption. Now, I should say the students were not primary school or preschool students. They were university students, adult students, right? And they, he, got the, he got two groups, and they were told they would be given free alcohol. So there was probably no shortage of volunteers from the local university. But they were also asked over a series, uh, throughout, throughout the night, they were going to be plied with alcohol, they had to do a series of tests. And that would check on things like reflexes, physical alertness, memory and balance. Now, as you can imagine, as the night wore on, the students became uh, inebriated. You know, and they showed signs of it and they started performing badly on the test. All the students saw their results decline as they kept drinking, doing these, you know, motor skills tests and memory tests and things. But get this, one of the two groups had only been given a placebo. In other words, drinks that looked and smelt and tasted like alcohol, but were not at all alcoholic. They thought they were getting drunk, even though they weren't. So it was only the power of expectation, and through that they had convinced themselves to think and behave in a drunk way. And then they were told about the ruse, the the trick that had been played on them, and so what did they do? They laughed, they sobered up immediately, and they left in an orderly fashion at the end of the night. Isn't that hilarious? Now, Professor Wiseman wrote about this. He said, Our participants believed they were drunk and so thought and acted in a way that was consistent with their beliefs. Exactly the same type of effect has emerged in medical experiments. When people exposed to fake poison ivy have developed genuine rashes, those given caffeine-free coffee have become more alert. Patients who underwent fake knee operations reported reduced pain from their supposedly repaired knees. Who would go into such an experiment? He says, in fact, experiments comparing the effects of genuine drugs to sugared pills, placebos, show that between 60 and 90% of drugs depend to some extent on the placebo effect for their effectiveness. Isn't that amazing? That's the power of of expectation or faith, if you like. Whatever someone's believing for is going to happen. So it's not so much whether you've got faith, it's just where you place it. And, of course, we put our faith in people every day. To some degree, we should have people that we trust, our family, friends, you know, trusted people. But it's amazing how often we trust in people or sources of information that aren't so trustworthy. We listen to something that the media is reporting, and they say the so-called experts have something to say, and when we hear it, we find ourselves just parroting off what we've heard. It's usually bad news, and get this, we've got this collective term for this source of information that we seem to trust in, and it's they. Have you noticed this? They say. They are saying something. And we find ourselves saying things like, you know what? They say crime's going up. Yeah. Who, who's they? You know, but, but we all believe it. Or, uh, have you heard this? Uh, they, they say there's a really bad flu strain going around this winter. And it's only a matter of time, they say, before we all get it. Hmm, wow, you know. And somewhere out there, there's a group of people called they who are saying these things and we're just believing it. How about this one? They reckon. Have you read this? They reckon. It costs $1 million to raise a child. Have you read that? I've read that several times. They, whoever they are, are saying that. So we end up saying, oh, well, you can't afford to have kids, you know, because they say it's really expensive. Hey, I'll tell you this. I've raised four kids, and I've never even seen, let alone had, $4 million. So, so <laughs> you know, they can say what they like. <laughs> I mean, we've seen in the recent News of the World scandal that, you know, some pretty sketchy practices in the, in the uh, whole media industry. Um, I've always loved the irony of the, the iconic Russian newspaper called Pravda, which means truth in Russian. And uh, it was never exactly known for its free and accurate journalism. Uh, so, so sensible people know that, oh, well, you can't believe everything you read in the media and all that. So, so what do they do? Well, many of them will put their faith in science. Oh, yeah, I can trust in science. But even scientists don't know everything. I really appreciated Pat Ancliffe's presentation last year in our church. And again, he came and did it a few months ago or a few weeks ago at the, our Gosford High outreach at the high school uh, where he talks about creation and evolution. And he points out that evolution is usually presented not just as a theory but as a fact. And yet... It can't be proven. And so it's really a belief system. And some scientists are very unscientific in their approach to this whole debate because on one hand, they'll ridicule Christians for believing a Bible account that can't be fully tested by scientific experiments. But at the same time, they'll totally believe in something that's also untested. And so this is why Jesus said, have faith in God. Put your faith in God, because God is worth putting your faith in. In other words, put your trust in someone who is truly trustworthy. I loved, um, uh, recently we had Adrian Gray. Do you remember? And his life has been a life of faith. And he's still, you know, you know into his 60s, living by faith uh, and, uh, and, and talking about it in a, in a genuine way about and he and I wrote some notes and I think I've got it reasonably accurately to what he said. He said something along the lines of um, all through the scriptures God calls us to believe. There are 7000 promises in the Bible all waiting for us to respond with faith. God asks us, will you believe? And then he said, let's let's believe the promises of God and let's believe the God of promises. And I feel that stir in my heart. Uh, you know, in my life, in our church life, in our journey with the whole uh, move to Narara and the building program there, and for each one of us, there's always going to be, as we heard over communion, something that we need to just totally put our trust in God for. And, and, and we have a choice what we're putting our faith in the media, what they say, our own feelings the devil's whispering stuff in your ear that oh, you're tempted to believe in it or you're going to believe God, believe God's promises. It's just very simple. Another great preacher I remember, I don't know if any of you remember Barry Smith. And Barry Smith has gone home to heaven now but he was uh, an ex-school teacher and he used to teach on end times and he was very matter of fact, very down to earth but sometimes controversial and had a rather rough manner and I'll never forget, he would teach on end times, he'd have a chart and he'd have all the different, you know, projections of what might happen and when might it happen, and the, you know, EU and the ten horns of this devil, and you know when the white rider's going to come and all this stuff. But right across it, whether he was right with some of his predictions or not, and let's face it, he wasn't on some because we were back there in the '80s thinking Jesus is going to come back any minute, and that you know by 1988 that was 40 years from Jerusalem Israel being founded, and '88 went. By and it was okay, something else. And then anyway, we're still waiting and, and we live in the last days. We don't know how long they're going to last. But, but the main thing is he would lead people to faith in God in a pretty challenging way. But he had Jesus written right across the top of the banner. And I remember one, <laughs> one little part of his preaching and he was talking about the, the world's financial systems and how shaky they are. And the Bible tells us don't trust in, in money. And it seems like, oh, wow, if I could just get, you know, a little girl walking the kids down to the park just yesterday, little girl from across the road, and she got one of those little, we used to call them Santa Claus, those little fluffy dandelion things, and she said, oh, yeah, someone said you make a wish. I said, oh, yeah. She said, I'm going to wish, you know what I wish for? I didn't want to ruin it and say, but if you tell me the wish won't come true, you know, that's apparently, I said, oh, yeah. She said, I wish that I'm going to have lots of money. I'm going to be really rich. She's six years old. She's wishing for money. I said, oh, well, work hard, sure, you get lots of money, fine. You know, but, has, that's, something, that's all they're looking for, you know, the, but Barry Smith, I remember him saying, you know, talking about the financial system, and he said something along the lines of, so, there's no security in gold, no security in property, no security in money, so where do you put your faith? Well, he's the biggest name on the charts, friends. And he'd put up there. <laughs> and then he'd say, so, you say, I don't believe in Jesus. And he say, well, you're an idiot then. You'll not only have an unsatisfying life on earth, but you'll die and go to hell as well," <laughs> he said, pretty much like that. I remember that. I remember just laughing my head off and writing it down, thinking that is gold. You know, I would love to get away with going around preaching like that. In fact, I just did. But uh, we and we and we could probably get away with it in Russia and have massive altar calls. We used to uh, We've got a little more circumspect, here, especially for teaching Scripture in schools. Yes, scripture teachers, don't go and say something like that. Um, uh, look, it's just it's just strong and straight. Um, let me just talk about our faith being tested. We have faith in God, but there are times when our prayers aren't answered as quickly or as clearly as we would like. Sometimes it seems like our prayers aren't even heard. <laughs> and uh, And yet in those times, your faith can be strengthened, not weakened. And that's why, you know, when Jesus was about to return to heaven, he had this little interesting thing to say to Simon Peter. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Now, that's a pretty scary sort of, you know, analogy. But then what does he say? He says, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. I've prayed, Jesus praying, that your faith may not fail. Jesus knew how important it was for us to have strong faith, how Simon Peter was going to have to have faith that would not fail, strong faith. And he knew that the devil would come and test him and challenge him, but that the faith wouldn't necessarily fail, but it could actually be strengthened. And, and you can have the same test that might seem to... Be shaky to your faith, but you can get through that and have stronger faith. You can get through the, you know, the tough times, and your faith will help you get through and be stronger as a result. And uh, and you know, they say there's no testimony without a test, and that's exactly what happens when you've got faith going through a test. It's getting stronger, and you'll end up getting out the other side with a testimony. That's why in the book of Psalms, you know, in Psalm 23, David says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because he's walking in faith. He doesn't say, though I live in the valley of the shadow of death. He doesn't say, you know, though I'm getting bogged down and stuck in the valley of the shadow of death, I'm probably going to die here in the valley of the shadow of death. He says, no, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death because his faith is helping him to get through that valley, moving forward. Faith gets you moving forward. Faith keeps you on the front foot. Faith keeps you looking forward. Faith keeps you focused on God and promises and, and the hope of what can happen even if it, ha- if it hasn't happened yet. And, um, and it helps you handle the pressures of life that you're going through right now. It's not blind hope. It's not silly mind games. It's a real security to know God is going to help me get through this. And we're all at different levels. Some young people, you've got your challenges. And some you know, older people, business people, married people, single people, we've all got tests and times where you can feel pressure. Let me just talk about pressure and then we're going to finish up in the next hour or two. Um, You know, carbon is in the news at the moment, isn't it? In fact, it's going to be in the news even more from tomorrow. There's a whole bunch of ads all about the carbon tax. Poor carbon. That's what I say. Carbon sounds like the bad guy. You know, everybody's burning carbon, using carbon, having to pay tax for carbon. Carbon is good stuff. It's the sixth most common element in the universe. I know this because the internet told me. I don't remember it from school; it was too long ago, and I didn't excel in science. But my scientifically minded son would confirm, and you can have an appointment with him afterwards. He'll charge, you know, for a consultation, but excelling in science, that um, that carbon is the major element in coal and diamonds. And you may know this: that the difference between a hunk of dirty cheap black coal, and a sparkling rare precious diamond is just pressure. It's just the same stuff, the same carbon, just different levels of pressure under the earth that arrange the carbon atoms in a different way. And the greatest pressure, of course, produces diamonds. Isn't that amazing? Packing those carbon atoms close together. And so it's the same in our life. Pressure can actually be good. When you trust in God and you know that He's not going to put you through something that you can't handle, that you can cope with anything, that you'll come out stronger, tougher, and shining, just like a diamond. And that's why the Bible says our faith is precious. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, I think. You can check that reference. But uh, our faith is precious because with your precious diamond-like faith, that pressure is just compacting it. It's just toughening things up. And so with your faith and God's power, you will see that healing come. You'll see things work out for good. You can see that need met. You know, you'll see that mountain move. You can speak to that mountain and see it move, whatever that mountain might be. And you can be strengthened. Your faith, you can be tougher, but still sweet. Not mean and tough. Just beautiful, like a diamond. And, and they are, they're not forever, ladies. The ads used to say, diamonds are forever. Nothing's forever. See, men really like that argument. Christian men, you can take that argument and say, "Honey, really, you know, you don't want a diamond. It's not forever." They say it's forever, but nothing's forever. My love for you is forever. You know, we'll we'll go to heaven together. That's and, and it's free. You know, but it costs me a lot. But really, it's you know. But no, no, men, men, they may not be forever, but they're still pretty cool. Say the ladies. So, men, buy your husband, buy your wife a, uh, buy your, well, buy yourself one as well if you like. But buy your wife a diamond. At some stage, buy her a diamond. Um, and I've got this annoying thing about the carrot. See, the carrot is a a weight, and unfortunately a carrot isn't a smaller weight than it really is. I mean, it could be worse. It could be, you know, five grams, but, you know, there's something about that magical carrot. So at some stage, yes, it's nice. Go the carrot diamond, yes. Um, But there's plenty of semi-precious stones that are sparkling. Anyway, we've come to a close. Let me just say this. The diamond, it's the most precious of all gems. It's the most valuable. And it's because it's gone through a lot of pressure. And it's the same with your faith. So let's be people of faith. You know, live by faith. It'll be known as a person who loves to trust God, who believes in God's promises. Yeah? And who moves mountains with faith. Amen. hope you have enjoyed this message and feel challenged and encouraged. Please let others know about this free podcast so they too can grow and learn to live their best life. You can find out more about our church and ministries at www.c3cc.org.au. God bless you.